today's message is definitely timely. And the reason why it's timely is because Malachi is going to challenge the leaders of Israel. Malachi is going to challenge, really, God through Malachi, his messenger, his name Malachi means my messenger, is going to challenge Israel's leaders. And so uh, this message is answering the question, a very important question, based on this change, based on where we're going as a church. What kind of leader should you have? What kind of leader should be leading the church? What kind of leader should you want? And what kind of leaders should my wife and I be? That's a very important question, is it not? Because everything hangs on leadership. I mean, one of the best leaders in the world is named Bill Hybels, and he's a leader of a fantastic church in Chicago. And he always says this, everything in this country, everything actually in the world, rises and falls on leaders. Leaders are leading, and, and people are looking for leadership. People are needing good leading. Amen, somebody. They need somebody to stand in the gap and say, this is where we're going. I know we're here, but we're going there. Follow me, and, I'll, and, and I guarantee you, we're going to succeed. And that's what leadership is. But this is, the, this is the question for God to Malachi's day for his leaders. Where is my honor? So what kind of a leader do you want? What kind of a leader do you want? What kind of a leader do you need? I'm going to tell you what kind of leader that you need and what kind of leader you want. Okay, here's what it says in verse 6 of Malachi 1 in the New Living Translation. And we'll be bouncing back and forth, New Living ESV tonight. Just bear with me. But New Living, verse 6, the Lord of Heaven's armies says to the priests, the leaders of Israel, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master... Where are the honor and respect I deserve? But he says, you have shown, you priests have shown contempt for my name. There's a problem in the day of, in the day of Malachi with Israel's leaders. And the problem was not gross immorality. The problem was not sexual infidelity. The problem was not mismanagement of funds. The problem was not some kind of secretive sin. The problem, God says, is that you don't honor my name. It's not like a big sin. It's not like one of the sins that you're going to read about on the New York Times if a big mega pastor uh, does it. You know, if a big mega pastor in America doesn't honor God's name, you're never going to see that on the Today Show. You're never going to see that on the New York Times. You're never going to see that uh, talked about in circles in Christianity saying, I can't believe that big megachurch pastor didn't honor God's name. But imagine, I want you to think about this, the sins that we think are large, oftentimes God sees no different as the sins that we think are small. And sometimes we think honoring God's name, not a big deal. And God's about to say, no, that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal to honor his name. He says, I got a problem with you priests. You're not honoring my name, my name. And this is, the, this is the answer to the question, what kind of a leader should you want? What kind of a leader should you have? What kind of a leader should I be? What kind of a leader does the church deserve? Here's the answer, a leader that honors his name. That's what you want from your pastors. That's what you want from our brand new executive pastor, Shane Parsons. That's what you want from your elders, from your small group leaders, from every deacon, every person who leads a ministry in Waters Church. You want a leader that honors his name. That's what Malachi is going to tell us. Now, everybody has a different idea of what a leader should be. 
Everybody thinks, well, a leader should be the guy who talks the most. Or a leader should be the guy who talks the loudest. I would have no problem with that one. Hallelujah. <laughs> or a leader should be the guy who's most charismatic or most funny or most gifted or most seasoned or, or, or longest tenured. And God says, no, 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 I don't go by your standards. Here's my standard. I want a leader. I want a leader that knows how to revere my name. God's name is a big deal. All throughout the Bible, this is true. God's name is huge in Israel. And he makes it a big deal throughout the Bible because he, in Malachi, in the first 16 verses of Malachi, six times God mentions his name in the first 16 verses. His name is a big deal. Jesus taught us to pray. Do you remember the, the model prayer? Our Father in heaven, what is the next line? Hallowed be thy name. God's name is a big deal. It's even, it's even the subject of one of the Ten Commandments. It's like you got murder, lie, adultery. Yeah, those are big deals. No, 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 no. Back it up, back it up. Number three, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, what we have done with that commandment is we have whittled it down to something that it really doesn't say. We have whittled that commandment down to, okay, so what God is saying there, don't take his name in vain. He says, when you're really mad, right, <laughs> don't say Jesus Christ, because that's what pagans do. Pagans swear with Jesus' name. You swear with Buddha's name. Okay, that, <laughs> you know, or, or we do the Christianese swears. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Right? We're gonna, about to say it, but we're going to substitute it there because we don't want to break the third commandment lest he strike us dead. Is that, the, is that the essence of the command? No. The command is, is, is to Israel who's about to bear the name of God in all that they do. And, and Moses is getting the law and the commandments and the, and the requirements for temple worship and how to dress up the temple and how to take offerings and how to worship God. And then one of the big deals is now that you're going to be the people who are called by, by my name, don't take that lightly. Christian, listen to me. The name Christ is in Christian for a reason. You bear the name. You bear the name of Jesus, not just when you hit your thumb with the hammer and you're about to swear. You bear the name of Jesus in your workplace, at your school, in your household, wherever you are. Oh, whatever you do brings the name of Jesus. Now, now here's the problem. Here's the problem in Malachi's day. Instead of making the name of their God better and leaving a better taste in the mouth of other people, they despised his name and they left a bitter taste in the mouth of other people. They rejected, they held it in contempt. It's amazing what we do with names. And we, we, we all know this. Names uh, carry with them character. We all know this. This is intuitive. I'm going to explain why in just a moment. When you have children, how many went through this? How many couples went through this? And you were about eight months pregnant, and now you're like, okay, we got to get serious about a name, right? And you start throwing out the names back and forth, you and your spouse. And what did you do? You, you usually rejected certain names based on what? Based on people you had known who had the name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I could never name my kid that because I dated a girl by that name. Right? And then the wife's like, you better believe we're not going to name her that now. 
Right? You, can't ever, you can't ever get away sometimes from the character that comes with some names. You know, I could never name my son Stanley. Because I, <laughs> I used to work with a Stanley, and Stanley was just mean. We called him Manly Stanley. He was just a mean dude, right? I could never name my son Walter. Because <laughs> I don't want him growing up and cooking meth to get over his cancer diagnosis. Never do it. This guy has ruined the name of Walter for everybody. Is the name of Jesus, is the name of Jesus leaving a better taste in people's mouth through your life or a bitter taste in people's mouth through your life? That's the essence of this passage in just a moment. We're gonna get to it. And every name has an image behind it, and every image has a name behind it. So usually we look at this guy, the poor guy, his name's Brian. Right? His name's Brian, but we're gonna call him forever Walt. Right? That's what we're going to call him. You're like, Pastor, I can't believe you watched that show. Don't worry about it. I prayed for forgiveness. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> then, then there's images behind names. I mean, some of you are all die hard about that image. Nike fans? How about Adidas fans? Does anybody do working out or running? Or <laughs> are you all a bunch of loafer people? What's going on? You still got your sandals from... Like, like how, how many of you, maybe this will stir up some emotions. How about this one? Woo-hoo, right? Coke fans? Yeah, yeah. What about this one? Ooh, Pedro fans. Yeah, right. Like you're, when I want to kill my pancreas, I choose Pepsi. Right? This one I know is going to hit home. Ooh. Yeah. Like some names, some images are heavenly, right? Others, demonic. (laughs) Am I right? Like that's a word from the Lord right there, Pastor. I bless my heart, hallelujah. I can leave right now. How do you feel about this name? (laughs) Names carry images, I mean, names carry character and, and character carries an image. And you have in your mind an image about names. And and so here's the question Malachi has for his priests. How's my name doing? You're not doing a good job with my name. You're not proud of my name. You know, I I took an image uh, today of something that that you've probably seen a thousand times. And I want to show you this. Maybe you can make this out. What is this image? It's an apple, but it's a half-eaten apple. This is an apple that I ate this morning. Anybody switched on by that image? Like anybody say, woo, pastor, I feel like I gotta have an apple right about now. Right? I mean, it's a bitten out apple. But look at this image, same image. (gasps) That's like, that's like a god in this country. Come on, somebody, everybody's like, oh, oh, Apple, Apple, Microsoft the devil, Apple. I mean, that's an image of a half-eaten apple. (laughs) But Apple, in their genius, in their genius, has taken an image that is really this, which is like, ugh, and turn it into, oh, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it, Tim Cook, Tim Cook. I mean, it's like, I mean, really, we, 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 have, we get drawn in by this image, and this image represents what we want, what most of us want, what all the smart people want, hallelujah. 
Do, do you know why this image does that to us? Here's why. Here's why. Because Apple takes their name very seriously. They take their name extraordinarily serious. So does God. So does God. In your Christian life, is this you? Or is this you? Do you tell people, ugh, or whatever it is you got, I'm buying it. That's God's message to his messengers. And God's leaders, it all starts there. Because by the time of Malachi, uh, Israel's name for God, God's brand had gone bland. Israel was God's brand. And by the time of Malachi, towards the, at the very end of the Old Testament, they got stale in their worship. They gave God second-rate offerings. They gave him blind, lame animals. They started to think, oh, it's just so heavy. It's so hard to worship God. And what they didn't understand what they were doing was all the nations around were watching them and saying, if that's how they treat their God, their God must not be that important. If that's what they think of him, why, don't, why should I listen to him? That's fundamentally what the message is in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. So here's what he says. Again, if I am a father, and by the way, God is a father. And some of you are very comfortable with God as a father. Some of you are like, yes, I love that image of God as a father because I had a good father, and God should love me, and God should care for me, and God should provide for me, and yeah. And some of you are like, I don't like that image because my father was horrible. My father was terrible, but I want you to know that the father of heaven is nothing like your earthly father, whether he was good or bad. Your father in heaven is much, much better than any father you could have ever had. He cares for you. He loves for you. But also, look what he says. A father deserves honor. And then he says, I'm also a master. He's not just a father. He's a master. So some of you, this is, you're comfortable with master. You're all into the, yes, God tells me what to do, and I do it. You have that bumper sticker. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Like, that's it. That's your life. God said it. you got to do it. I don't care how you feel about it. Just do it. Blah, blah, blah. That's a little bit of me. That's how I preach a little bit, right? He says, a master deserves fear. Fear here means respect, reverence. That I don't just walk in and dial in with my life because of God. You know, he's my buddy. He's my pops. He's my, he's my old man. No, he's also my master. And then he says, I'm looking at you, priests. It's an amazing thing because he's not saying everybody. He says, I am looking at leaders. So this message is geared toward all the leaders of Water Church. We got some great leaders. We got small group leaders, deacons, and we got elders. Everybody who's a small group leader, deacon, or elder, or you lead another ministry that might not be aware of because we have so many ministries, everybody who does that, please raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hi, 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 hi. Everybody look around. Look around. Get a good look at our leaders. This is who I'm preaching to tonight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm preaching to everybody, but, but we have great leaders in this church, and this is the kind of church, this is the kind of leader that God is looking for, somebody who does not despise his name, and it starts with leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And so he says to the priests, the priests who are supposed to guard the worship aspect of Israel, they're supposed to oversee every sacrifice. Every sacrifice that the people brought were supposed to, was supposed to be the first and the best. Somebody say the first and the best. Every sacrifice was to be inspected by the priest. And the priest was to say to the person, I'm sorry, this is not acceptable for our God. At times, look, he's blind, as lame. No, 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 you can't offer this to God. He expects the first and the best. And so the priests were like, eh, it doesn't matter anymore. Whatever you want to bring. They were supposed to make sure that all the accoutrements of the temple were in place. Specifically, and we read Exodus, God is extremely specific about how worship is supposed to go down in his house. 
in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And every time he says, he says, this is why I want you to do it, so that my name might be known in all the earth. The way you worship me reflects on me. The way you love me reflects on me toward everybody who doesn't yet know me. And this matters to God. This matters to God big time. And so here's what he says. He says, you, don't, you, don't, you despise my name. And now notice how the priests respond. They say, how? <laughs> They're so ignorant of it. They're like, how have we despised your name? I'm not, what are you talking about, God? We, actually, God, we took a vote. We took a vote. We figured out we actually do honor your name. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, no, 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 you don't. Let me show you. Let me show you how you despise my name. And this is going to shock some of you. He says, by offering polluted food on my altar. You say, well, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not, what's the word? Evil. Evil. What? He's throwing down the evil word here, God. I mean, isn't, isn't the bad people, those are the, the, the Ninevites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites and all those bad people, those are evil people. You're telling us we're evil just because we give you a couple of bad animals? He says, and when you offer those that are lame or sick, is, again, he repeats it, is that not evil? And then he kind of jabs them a little bit. He jabs he puts, he like hits them right between the eyes. Present that to your governor. He says, will they accept it from you? Show you a favor? He says, he says, you take the tithe and you say the tithe is optional, but taxes are absolutely essential and necessary. Like, I, I don't know about you, but that, that's problematic, God says. That's problematic. Why, why do you make sure that your taxes are all paid, but the tithe, well, sorry, God, I'm out, of, I'm out of money this week, you know, with my HBO subscription and Showtime and Game of Thrones. I can't miss an episode, God, I'm sorry, you know, and so I don't have enough. God says, try that with the state. See how far you get, because it's about his name being honored in all the earth. He's like, you also do this. You give me the lame and the blind animals. He's like, you got, a, you got two goats in your stall. One's perfectly healthy. He's perfect. He's beautiful. The other one's blind and he's got three legs. You call him tripod. <laughs> like, what should we do with tripod? Tripod's not no good for anybody. Let's give tripod to God. Like, God's like, am I supposed to be excited about that? Am I supposed to be happy about that? He said, that will never work for anybody else. And yet you do it to me. And so here's the thing. Here's the kind of leader that you want, Waters Church. Here's the kind of leader that you need because it's the kind of leader that God wants. Because remember, he's talking to his priests. And he's saying, you priests are letting the people give me second-rate offerings, and you're not stopping it from happening. So number one, if you're taking notes, God's kind of leader challenges you to honor God with your best. God's kind of leader challenges you to honor God with your best. Notice when you offer blind sacrifices, he says, it's, it's evil. He doesn't say it's cheap. He doesn't say you're being stingy. He, he says, evil. Whoa, that's tough words from God. And this is, this is what you need to know. God's kind of leader challenges you. Challenges you to, to, to say, God, you're worthy of my very, very, very best. Do you, know, do you know this is the kind of leader that Jesus was? Jesus had no problem offending people when it came to the honor of God. He had no problem. He said, look, if you're going to follow me, everything's on the table. Your money, your friends, your family, your 
Father and mother, your sister, your brother, and even your children, even your precious little ones, they are all on the table for me. And Jesus challenged people continually, give it all up, put it all on the table. Everything is available. Give God your best. Why? Because it's about the honor of his name. Then God says something that's crazy. Verse 10, look what he says. He says, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you. You're like, Pastor Tim, last week you told me God loved me. (laughs) Didn't he say, I always love you? I was thinking about the Whitney Houston song and everything. God always loves me. Yeah, God always loves you, but there are times when in his love he's not pleased with you. And And he says, Shut it down. Whoa, what? The temple? The temple was the most important building in Israel. It was the first thing he wanted built when they got into, into, the, um, into the wilderness. You're going to erect it according to this specification. You're going to always have it with you. And then and my presence will be there. My name will be there. And once a year, I'm going to meet personally with your high priest, and and we're going to talk about your sin, and he's going to offer a sin on your behalf for me so that I won't wipe you out. And that temple represents everything. And God amazingly says to these people who are bringing half-hearted sacrifices, I'd rather you shut the stinking thing down than give me a second half-hearted offering. Can I, can I say something that might be offensive? You're like, Pastor, what's different about that than everything else you say? All right. Some churches should close and some pastors should quit. And I mean that with every fiber of my being. 330,000 churches in America, 330,000 churches, 85% of them are either plateaued or in decline. 85% of them, 98, 90, 90% of them are 100 people or less. Um, every year, seven to 8,000 churches close their doors in America. And we say, that's so terrible, that's so awful. And I think God in heaven is just like, oh, finally. <laughs> I was so tired of that place. You know, it's like we see it from our point of view. Oh, they're closing doors and God said, it doesn't matter. Their hearts closed toward me a long time ago. It's just the inevitable finally took place and they finally couldn't pay the mortgage because they ran out of, ran out of money from the old ladies that kept dying. And it's, and it's just, close it down, God says. And some pastors should quit. Some pastors should quit. Every month, 1,400 pastors leave the ministry in, in America. Every month. You're like, oh, that's awful. I don't think it's always awful. I think that sometimes God's like, thank you. Now let me get somebody in here who will honor my name. Let me get somebody in here who is passionate about lost people. Let me get somebody in here who is going to lay it down and and work hard and and study and prepare and preach his heart out so that people might know that the name of Jesus is not a swear word. The name of Jesus is the highest name that has ever been given to anybody on the face of the earth. Some churches should close and some pastors should quit. And there are failing churches in America. There are failing churches in America that are totally confused. 
They, don't, they, they have meetings and board meetings and, and committee meetings, and they're find, trying to find out, why aren't we growing? Why can't we hire a good pastor? Why can't we make ends meet? Why can't we pay our bills? Because you've never challenged the people to give their best to God. Because you've allowed your comfort to dictate where the church goes. You've allowed what you want to be the most important thing. You've gotten into positions and titles and names and, and doctor and reference and all these things, and you've made the church about you rather than the church should be what it should be, which is about the glory of Jesus' name so that all the world might look at the church and say, I want what you got. That's the point that Malachi's trying to make. Amen, yeah. That was like a halfway clap. I don't know if you were like with me on that one. It's all right. No, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. And, and, and we gotta, we gotta make, we gotta just kind of like lay it down as a church, friend. You need a pastor who challenges you week in and week out. Not somebody who caresses you week in and week out. It's okay, it's okay. I know it's hard. It's hard, I know, don't worry about it. Just do your best. Like, one of, my, one of my pet peeves, one of my pet peeves in, in, in Christianity is, is that a, a guy who goes to the church will have a yard sale. The family will have a yard sale. They sell all their crap to other people who are unsuspecting that all their crap is broken. And then they take what's left over and they say, sheesh, I don't really want to throw it away because it's still kind of good crap. What do we do with it? What do we do with it, Martha? Why don't we give it to the church? All right, so he hauls this 400-pound console TV to the church building. He's like, listen, I just had a yard sale. This didn't sell. We were going to give it to the hamster, but the hamster doesn't want it. Uh, maybe, maybe you'll take it. Maybe you can use it for the youth group. I know it doesn't have a remote, and it doesn't have a remote not because we lost the remote. It actually just doesn't have a remote. It wasn't built with one. I was wondering if the youth group could use it. Could you take it? It's like, No. What are, you, what are you saying? The church is like the last stop right before the trash bin? Is, is that how you see the church? Anyway, I just get mad about that. And then one time I shared that very same illustration about two years ago. If you were here, you remember it. And I walked down off the stage over there, and a guy caught me. He said, you know, I'm a little offended. <laughs> I said, what are you offended by? If I give the church a, a TV that I don't want... I'm thinking the church should just find a deserving family and give that TV to the deserving family. So I'm like, so basically what you want the church to be is savers. <laughs> Have you been to savers? <laughs> savers smells. I, I got nothing against savers. I shop at savers. I've gotten some good stuff at savers. But the church is not savers. The church worships the savior. Hallelujah. And I got, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. We got to understand it's about the honor of his name. So yes, some churches should close and some pastors should quit. They say, Pastor, that's not very nice. That's not very nice. It should, you, should be, you should be happy. No matter what people give, you should be happy. You should be, because after all, something is better than nothing. You haven't read Malachi then. You haven't read Malachi because God is saying over and over again, you're giving me something. I'd rather you give me nothing. A half-hearted something is better, is less than nothing in the eyes of God. You say, that's Old Testament. Read Revelation chapter 3. Because God says to Laodicea, you're neither hot or cold. 
You're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I've got no use for you. And, and you say, well, does that mean that God wants me to be cold for him instead of just meat? No, no, no. You don't understand the scriptures. He's talking about Laodicea. This, this, they got these water pipes from Colossae. And, and because the water came through those water pipes, it was lukewarm. Cold water has a use. Amen, somebody? ALS ice bucket challenge people, right? And, and, and cold water has a use. And, and hot water has a use. But, but lukewarm water is just disgusting. God says, no, 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 I need you to be useful. And these half-hearted offerings, I'd rather you close up shop than keep representing me in a way that brings my name through the mud in your community. Say, Pastor, you're hard tonight. That's because God's hard. Look what he says. Listen to you, priests. This command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name. Make up your minds. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. You do it. Don't wait for the pastor to stir you up. You make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies, or I will. Look at these these threats. This is just like, yikes. I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings if you receive. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. He says, he goes on. He's not done. I will punish your descendants and, and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices and I will throw you on the manure pile. (laughs) Never ask God to go a couple of rounds. (laughs) It will not end good for you. He says, then at last you will know that it was I who sent you this warning that my covenant was with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. What What do you think about when you think about God? It's like, yikes. You're really going to do that? Are you going to throw me on the manure pile, ladies and gentlemen? You want me to challenge you because I don't like manure. I was raised around manure. My father had cows and horses, and the worst part about cows and horses is the manure. I don't want to be on that pile. Friends, this is what God is saying. He's saying nothing is better than a half-hearted something. Give me your best Serve me with all you have. Do your best to honor God because the people around you are watching you and you are either that gross half-bitten apple on the side of the street or you are that apple logo that has America mesmerized. Which one are you gonna be? Number two, if you're taking notes, God's kind of leader challenges you to work hard for God. Work hard. We, We talked about this on Wednesday night that pray for laborers to go out into the harvest field. Laborers. Think about the name laborer. It's got a word in it called labor. Labor is work. Labor is hard. If you're giving birth, you can even call it labor because it's hard work. It's strenuous. It's painful. And here's what you need from your pastors and from your leaders and from your small group leaders. Somebody who's going to say, hey, 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 work hard for God. Work hard. Don't give it a second half effort, a half-hearted effort. Look what he says. He says, you guys, you say, what a weariness this is. These are the priests. You say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence. And then you say, and he says, shall I accept that from your hand? You're like, oh, what a weird, oh, oh, church again. Ah, oh, are you sure it's Sunday? Didn't we just do this like what, like seven days ago? Oh, man, Lord, you want me to park cars? You want to park cars for strangers in church? Oh, what a weariness. Don't don't you know how long I've been saved? I'm above the parking car level. You want me to what? You want me to host a small group in my home? What? Oh, with people? 
can't I just like walk some people's dogs? You want me to? People are messy, Pastor. People are hard work, man. I don't like people. Oh, what a weariness. What a weariness. They were saying it stinks to serve the Lord. I was like, knock it off. Stop saying that. Fuck up and serve me hard because you never know. You might have a few people in your group that annoy you, but there might be one person. Amen. Right now, they're not so good, but if you just love them a little harder, a little stronger, right. a little more faithfully, they'll become amazing. Yeah. I mean, God sees potential in people that we oftentimes just ignore. Who on, in their right mind would have ever picked Moses? Killed the guy, didn't even have the guts to come clean. He buried the body in the sand and ran for his life. And lived 80 years in the desert. In the desert. You'd pick that guy? No, you wouldn't. God does. God picks the rejects. God picks the hard ones. God picks the projects. The reason why God picks the projects is to show that he's the master of the project. He's the one that's going to fix up the project and make it beautiful. So that everybody can say, I I don't know how he did it. I don't know, because when I saw him, uh uh-uh. Never in my life would I have imagined that he'd become that. No way. And that's when he has the opportunity to say, Jesus. That's all I can say, Jesus. And God knows you work hard. Listen, you work hard for what you love. You do. Some of you work hard for your clothes. You go to stores and you literally shop. It is a literal eight-hour shift for you. You're just like... You're like a ninja in the dressing room. Until you get that outfit right, you work hard to look good. Some of you work hard for your friends. Some of you work hard uh, for, your, for your kids, tr- shuttling them all over, the, all over creation. Soccer practice and uh, basketball practice and hockey practice and all this. You work hard for what you love. God says, if you love me, work hard. Work hard. Some of you got a girlfriend. You stay up until 3 a.m. talking to her. It's like no big deal. You got to work at 6 a.m. You're like, I don't care. I love the girl. You will, listen, you will wear yourself out for what you love. And God says, I want you to do that for me. I want, I want you to do what a lot of people at Waters Church does. You know, a lot of people at Waters Church tell me this. A, lot of, a, a number of people. They tell me that they come here and they work on Saturday and they help on Saturday and then they come early on Sunday. They're here before I get and they work, get here and they work all day on Sunday and they shuttle people in, they shuttle people out, they help and they smile and they, you know how hard it is to smile for six hours straight? And we got people that do that here. And, and they tell me this, they tell me that after Sunday second service, they basically go, go get something to eat, go home and they literally fall on the couch dead tired. And they say, but pastor, I wouldn't change anything. There is no better feeling than just passing out on your couch, crashing for Christ. No better feeling. A lot of people that do that in this church, a lot more people that should start doing that in this church so that that the name of Jesus might be known. Number three, finally in your notes, God's kind of leader challenges you with God's word. And that's what, that's what he's about to say uh, in, in verse 7. He says, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth. 
Why? For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And Peter picks this up for the New Testament saints. In Peter, in Second uh, Peter or First Peter three, he says, "Look, if you speak, if you speak to the church, you speak as though you're speaking the very words of God. It's not your words; it's God's words. And when you preach and when you teach, my goodness, teach with conviction. Conviction. Tell me that you're you're sure of it." I mean, I didn't do so good last weekend, right? I didn't do so good in one of the services, and I was like, ugh, ugh. And I walked out, and I went over to the, to, the, to the cafe, and some guy stopped me. He said, man, I don't know if I believe everything you're saying, but you could sell a drowning man a glass of water. <laughs> I'm like, amen, that's good. That's what I need. I need that bolt of confidence there. Preach with conviction. I'm sure this is the truth. I'm positive you need Jesus. I know it in my heart. You know, uh, I read an article, a fascinating article, and, the, and it was by Eric Metaxas. Eric Metaxas is a Christian author, and he says this. Here's the title of the article. Learning from young atheists, what turned them off Christianity? Ooh, that's, that's interesting, right? What did it? What did it? He says, it's something most Christian parents worry about. You send your kids off to college, and when they come back, they've lost their faith. But in many ways, he says, the damage has been done long before our children set foot on campus. And the article goes on, and it says, you know what it was? The surprising fact, the thing that made these young Christians lose their faith after they went to college? It wasn't the Richard Dawkins books. It wasn't first-year philosophy. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't um, a better argument from their atheistic professors. It says that they went to churches that sought to entertain them instead of challenge them. It said this, teens want to see conviction. The ministers they respected the most were the ones who took the Bible seriously, who didn't just preach messages, but, but sought to challenge their convictions. And one of, the, one of the students said, Christianity is something, this is a Christian who lost his faith, Christianity is something that if you really believed it, it would change your life. And you would want to change the lives of others. I just didn't see too much of that. Whoa. In other words, atheist teens turned away from Christianity because the leaders in their church were like, eh, we don't know what to do with you and the Bible's boring, so here's some pizza. And they walked into college campuses and they were like, well, my Christian heritage didn't take it so, so seriously, so what's the big deal? You want a church, you want a leader, you want a small group leader who says, no man, it's in the word of God. I don't care what other people are telling you, it's in God's word and you can't go wrong when you obey God's word. So, so a couple of small things, three small things and then we're done. Challenges you with God's word, he says, a leader who reveres God. They greatly revered me and they stood in awe of my name. That's where it begins. It begins like this. It begins that when you take the Bible and you say, no, it's not just this old historical book. It is God's word. Yeah. I, I honor this. I, I stand in awe of God. And so what I do with God's word is I get underneath it and I let it speak over my life. And I don't, I don't, try, to, I don't try to stand on top of the Bible and say, okay, no, no. I know that that's old. That's what it used to say. But God's kind of changed his mind. No, I get under it. I get under it and I say, okay, now you speak to me, God. 
That's what you want from your pastor. That's what you want from your leaders, people who are serious about the Lord because they know he's speaking. And number two, a leader who transmits God's truth. I don't, don't take this word uh, lightly. Transmits. Notice it doesn't say invents. Amen, brother. He transmits it. Yes. Malachi, he says this, the, 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 the good priest now he's talking about in chapter two. He says, they pass on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. I gave it to them, they took it, they received it, then they said, okay, here is what God has said. And the emphasis there is that there's this word right here, they received it from me. Again, they should preserve knowledge. These are all, these are all they are not inventing new ideas, they're preserving it for new generations. This is one of the things that we gotta do as a church, always looking for newer, younger people to be ready to preserve the knowledge of God teaching them and training them how to preach, how to teach, how to lead. And a pastor does not get up here and say, here's a cute way of presenting this one verse. A pastor says, okay, no, here's what God originally said to an original audience, and here's why it matters for us today. He passes it on. Of course we update it. Of course we adorn it with modern technology and modern ways. Of course we got to do that. But the message doesn't change, and it's passed on. Again, the, 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 the churches that should close, they're confused about this. They're confused about this because when, when America in the 1900s decided to go very liberal, very progressive, and very secular, the mainline churches said, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And they said, I got an idea. Let's just go with them and put a Jesus stamp on it. And now today, 100 years later, they're dying. And they're wondering, why are we dying? Because you went with the culture instead of the conviction of God's word. Amen. You got to get serious about it, friend. You got to hold on to it. You can't, you can't change it. Number three, finally, a leader who warns you about sin. Can I tell you that there's a temptation always, always in the heart of a pastor? And the temptation is this, I'm talking too much about sin. I'm talking too much about sin. And yes, we, we shouldn't talk too much about sin because we want to talk about the answer to sin. But he talks about it because the problem with you is sin. The problem with you is not your parents didn't love you enough. The problem is that you weren't hugged enough. The problem, I mean, that, those were manifestations of sin that they had experienced. And it's just been passed on to you. But the problem ultimately isn't that you don't have enough self-esteem, that you don't think well enough about yourself, or that you need a new haircut or new clothes. The problem is that you have sin. Yes. And sin is the thing that destroys you. And he says this, he walked with me. This is a good pastor now, a good priest, in peace and uprightness. And he turned many from iniquity, another word for sin. Jesus was always talking about sin. Always talking about it. And then he died for it. And he bled for it. And he challenged people to turn from their sin. Repent of your sin. A pastor who doesn't talk about sin is like a doctor who sits with a cancer patient and never says cancer. Well, the problem is you just don't feel very well right now. Well, why? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't want to offend you. Holy smokes, are you kidding me? Offend them. Tell them it's cancer. What's the problem with me, pastor? Sin. No, 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 it's my father. No, no, sin. Problem with your father was sin too. <laughs> Everybody, that problem is sin. Repent. Turn to Jesus. Bow your knees. Finally give up your rights. Give up your way. Give up the way that you think you're going to get finally free and just 
call out to Jesus and say, God, set me free because I can't do it myself. He's a savior. This is the kind of pastor you want. This is the kind of leader you want. Here's why. Lastly, I don't want to make, I don't want, you, don't, you don't want to miss, this is the last point in the Malachi passage that we're reading. Because if we don't do it, God will find somebody else who will. Please never, ever, ever, ever think that God has lost America. Or he's like, you know, he's just a, oh, what do I do? What do I do with America? He is not like that. He's like, Waters Church, honor my name. I'll bless you. I'll pour out blessings on you. I'll, I'll reach the loss through you. I'll do amazing things as long as you honor my name. But if we stop, he'll just say, okay, you've given up. Let me find somebody else. And I'll actually, I'll actually outdo what you did with this person here who will honor my name. Look what he says. Look what he says. I will not accept your offerings, but my name is honored by people of other nations. From morning till night, all around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He says it again. He keeps repeating this. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. In other words, Israel, if you don't honor my name, I'll find nations who will. And Jesus came to that nation, and they put him on a cross. And 40 years after he rose from the dead, the Romans came in and demolished that temple. The doors were finally shut forever. And the name of Jesus went out to the Gentiles and you and I and people here. Because no matter what, God's getting honor. God's getting honor no matter what. Jesus said, if those people over there hold their tongue, you see those rocks right there? They'll start singing. It can't be stopped. It's just a matter of who's going to do it. Who's going to do it? God wants leaders challenge you to give your best, work hard for his honor, and know his word.